Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Disparo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Marca Bellerín, 5 a 0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning. You're ill again. I'm ill again. God. Arsenal, Arsenal won again. Mm. Mm, it's all adding up. Yeah. You know what, though? I mean, you could uh, find a new business venture here is that you could, every time there's an Arsenal win, uh, you could give people guided tours of whatever hospital you're in with you. And then afterwards, they could come on this podcast. Not a bad shout. Mm. Not a bad shout at all. Why not? Make for lovely listening. Absolutely. This is uh, the sound of James. Beep, beep, beep. That'd be good. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. A little accompaniment in the background. Yeah. How, how was your weekend otherwise? Uh, we'll get to the football in a moment, but obviously... Very good. Yesterday, I went on a country walk, um, which made me feel exceptionally old. <laughs> So that's what I chose to do with my time. Right. Reminds me of that joke where the guy uh, is talking about uh, being part of a golf club and he says, uh, you know, I- I'm a country member. And he goes, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Whereabouts in the country like did that. you go? Do you know what? I don't even know. I got in a car that someone else was driving and I got out and there were trees. That's about it, really. I- Geography is not my strong point. Right. Did you just shut your eyes or did they put a bag over your head and... You know, you didn't see any signposts. They posts. put a bag over my head, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 they put a bag over my head. Um, somewhere southeast. I've got a good internal compass, I know that much. Right. Um, what, how was your weekend? It was It was all right, yeah. It was good. Uh, football was good. Uh, I had a few um, had a few pints Saturday night. Spent most of Sunday watching episodes of Mr. Robot, which is good. Have uh, you seen yeah, that? Yeah, I've heard that's No, I've heard it's good. It is good. The guy's kind of kind of freaky looking, the main guy. Um, Elliot is his name, not uh, mm. not like the not like the kid from ET. Maybe that is him. Maybe that's who he grew up to be. No, he didn't. He grew up to be uh, a farmer. Oh right, mm. yeah, fair play. Yeah, pumpkin farmer. That's what he does. He got out of the whole showbiz game, just scarred by the whole thing, you know. And now he farms pumpkins. That's what he does. But no, it's good. It's a good show. I recommend it to uh, to people who like good TV. I enjoyed it. He looks is like a, a drawing, though. That's is right. it about a robot? No, it isn't uh, actually about a robot, which is slightly disappointing because robots are fucking cool. Yeah, I'd love a robot. Mm. I'd like one of those little Star Wars um, guys. You know those new ones they have with the ball? He's got. He's just I, basically a ball with another little ball on top, but he's a robot and you can like move him around. I think you can buy that as like a toy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could get it, but I, you know, I feel like as a forty-four-year-old man. It's difficult to justify the expense of, of that when, you know, I could probably just not do it. Yeah, that's it. I but mean, I really like a, it. We're more in a country walk phase than a buying toy robot phase, I suspect. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so that was it. But, um, yeah, overall, quite a pleasant weekend indeed. I'm not sick, which is good, although I did... I did sprain my ankle in five-a-side on Friday, and now it's all it's all swollen and there's kind of weird colours on it. That's not good. Oh, yeah. That's, well, uh, it's not good, but it's quite exciting when your body goes weird colours, I think. Yeah, yeah. You do take some mm. pictures. I remember being in a, a car crash many years ago, and um, 
I had the most amazing bruise because I broke my arm, but I had the most amazing bruise all the way up my back and sort of down my arm, and it was bizarre, bizarre yeah. color. It's great though, apart yeah, from apart from the pain the and the discomfort, pain. yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the 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 terrible detrimental effect it had on my life for about nine months. Apart from all that, it was but it was good. Exactly that photograph of that bruise. You can't put a price on that. No, no. So look, football. That was good. Yes, I returned to my hometown of Watford. Mm-hmm. Uh, very. Ex- I visited my grandma. All right. Okay. I mean, I made a day of it, guys. Brilliant. How was she? Uh, She's very well. She's very well, yeah. Does she, she make cakes or anything? Or? Yeah, yeah. She yeah, she fully conformed to stereotypes by like making me eat cakes and feeding me cups of tea and stuff like that. But um, the football itself was was great, actually. It was, a, it was a really good game. I thought the first half was on a, on a knife edge, you might say. It could have gone either way, really. Yeah, there were a few moments, weren't there? I mean, we had some chances, but they also had some chances. Um, uh, Troy Deeney, he's, he's mm. a big fella, isn't he? He's a big he's a, guy. He's a big, strong boy. That's what I would say about Troy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I th- and, you know, he was always going to be a handful. I think that's sort of the the cliche that will be attached to him, won't it be, across the season. He's a handful. Mm, mm. Uh, but uh, he he did prove that for Mertesacker and Koscielny. And, you know, I thought that, that the one in particular was the one where he got away down the left and squared it across the box and Koscielny produced that brilliant sliding interception. Yeah, that was some uh, fantastic reading of the game there, but also a bit of a shit pass, I would say. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would be very disappointed in one of our players if, uh, with only a central defender to beat, and in that position, their pass was was cut out. You know, sure. Um, so yeah, great, great defending from Koscielny, but also kind of a shit pass from from Deeney. But he did have a, a go. Uh, he dispossessed Coquelin at one point, sort of you know muscled him out of the out of the way and off the ball and cracked a shot with. Uh, which Czech saved. Now, um, something that struck me at the time when I was watching it, um, is this particular to Czech's technique that he sort of saw the ball coming and slowly lowered himself to the ground in order to, to make the save? Did you notice that, or is it, was that just me? It just seemed... I didn't notice that. So what do you mean? So he, he just sort of he t- he spent a long time going to ground, basically. Yeah, yeah. He sort of He sort of lay down and then made the save, it looked like. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's Czech's technique because I haven't, you know, obviously we've seen him plenty of times over the years uh, playing for, for Chelsea, but I tend not to, to watch or, uh, you know, if he'd make a save, it would be like, ah, oh, you fucking dickhead Czech. What'd you do that yeah. for? Why didn't you let it in? And now, of Debbie course, it, in your hands. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wouldn't notice his technique so much. But maybe that maybe it's just me or maybe it was just that particular save. But he sort of seemed to lie down and then uh, palm it away. Uh, and then there was a moment he came out, wasn't there, um, when Watford played a through ball, came out, Mertesacker was there, got a bit mixy-uppy. Are you still there? You're not. James is gone. Hello? James? James is... Where is he gone? James! James is back. It's good. But in the meantime, just uh, as a distraction, my neighbour, not the next door neighbour, the neighbour two doors up, uh, is getting her chimney whacked out. So now there's a lot of hammering. So apologies. Why is she getting her chimney whacked out? I I don't know. It looks like she's getting the fireplace uh, replaced. I'm only speculating here, right? I don't know for sure. 
Right. But I, I suspect she's getting the traditional fireplace taken out, and I bet she's getting some kind of stove, you know, one of those uh, the, those stove burners in there. So that could also power her central heating, for example. I don't know. Okay, okay. Like an arga type thing. Kind of, but you wouldn't cook on it. It's just uh, like a, it's like a, you just close the door and you fuck a load of stuff in it, and it heats up, and you can connect them to your central heating systems and stuff. Um, I know the vibe. I yeah. know the vibe. So yeah, I, I, re- I reckon that is what she's having. Yeah, it's got to be. The, yeah, there's got to be. I mean, she, she's a smart woman. She the, knows what she's doing. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of banging though. So apologies. But anyway, as I was saying before, you disappeared somewhere into the into the internet. It was scary. The void. Yeah. Thankfully, we got you back. It was a bit, a bit like Tron. Almost had to go in there mm. and rescue you in the kind of a neon motorcycle. But anyway, <laughs> what I was saying was that there was a, a an incident with Jack and Murtisacker bit of a mix-up there in the first oh, yeah, half. yeah, 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 with the ball over the top, mm. yeah. And did it hit his hand? I couldn't really see from my seat. It sort of did, yeah, but it wasn't intentional. It sort of bounced off the top of his hand and hit the top of his shoulder, and then he whacked it away. Um, it was never a handball, though, I don't think. No, I, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. But they had missed another great chance, didn't they? Aaron Ramsey missed a chance at the back post after Alexis. Another fantastic ball from Alexis to Aaron Ramsey. He'll be, like, fed up. He could have had a couple of assists to his name as well, Alexis, in, yeah. in the last two games. But uh, almost immediately, Watford had a brilliant chance up the other end, and the guy just kind of kicked it wide like a yeah. like a donkey. It was Igalo, wasn't it? He went through to the mm. right-hand side of the penalty area. Was that sort of the one where he, he sort of just toe-punted it just <laughs> directly in front of him rather yeah. than towards goal? Yeah. And then he sort of half-heartedly fell over like maybe he'd been fouled. Yeah, and then know? was like, oh, come on, look, look, Monreal fouled me here, guys. Yeah, As if that, that was a, the reason. A classic attempt to cover a poor poor shot at goal. Um, yeah, that was a really good chance. So mm. there were a few hairy moments, I thought, Uh and as you say, at the other end, Ramsey replicating um, his miss against United. Mm. So at half time, Watford will have been very encouraged and pretty delighted. They've, you know, they, I think they look a decent side. They do, yeah. But, you know. Come on, it's my hometown. I'm trying to be generous. That's why Thank I just you. didn't I didn't say anything else. I just went, right. come on. You know, was like, yeah, we all know what's yeah, going yeah. on. But look, we second half. going to happen how this one ends. <laughs> second half was better. Uh, Watford claiming a penalty before before we went up the other end and could have had a penalty of our own. And then uh, the, the goal uh, was scored by Alexis. Uh, wh- where do you stand on the, uh, the the hot debate of the day? In, in fact, in football these days, it's the one thing that everyone's talking about. Is it Kapu or Kapue? <laughs> I mean, apparently it's Kapu. Mm, that's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Like if, if your name was Trevor Plop, that would also be unfortunate. I suppose. I mean, there have been players called Doodoo, mm-hmm. players called Kaka. Yeah. You know, there's some unfortunate names out there. We all look back fondly at mm. former Newcastle United winger Brian Penis. <laughs> and, but, uh, yeah, Bob BM. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, the very grown-up part of the, <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. But I, I think it is Kapu. If I was him, I'd be like, this is a chance. When I came to England, I would have thought, this is a chance to reinvent myself. Stick an accent on there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, make it Kapua. Yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds more, uh, you know, it gives it that continental flair. Kapua. He was linked with Arsenal endlessly. Do you remember that? I do. 
Once Upon a, a Dream. I think mm. he was at t- Toulouse at the time. And uh, went to Spurs instead. And now he's at Watford, so hope he's learned his lesson. The, the uh, Jurelio Gomez career progression. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I saw on Twitter someone called this game, Watford Arsenal, the Manuel Almunia derby. Uh, <laughs> and they said that Czech charging out his goal was a, a momentary tribute to the Spanish great. Well, there you go. Hard to argue with that. Uh, mm. But another Alexis goal. The man can't stop scoring. His groins are on fire. On I fire. As are ours watching mm. him. Ten goals in six games for club and country, I believe it is. Pretty all right. It's pretty all right. And mad... <laughs> that he didn't score the first eight games of the season. Incredible how quickly it's turned around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he, it's, you know, the first goal was always going to be the crucial one in this game. And just no surprise at all that mm. it was him who got it. Uh, albeit quite a sort of simple, a simple finish. I mean, it nearly, you know, it's one of those where like it came off the inside of the post, didn't it? I mean, it could have, could have spun the other direction, I guess. Yeah. But uh, he put it away. And I guess when things are, when you're hot, you're hot. This is true. And when the goals start going in, perhaps they continue to go in. As we've seen, obviously, he didn't score in the first eight games and now he he just can't stop scoring. Aaron Ramsey, he's been looking for his first goal for for quite a while. Uh, He missed a great chance in the in the first half he should have scored and then there was a, a ball from Ozil that he clobbered over the bar and he was, he was right to have a shot from there that's fair enough but it went over the bar and you're thinking oh Aaron come on you know find your range here and in the second half he finally gets his first Arsenal goal of the season it follows a goal for Wales the other night you know could we be looking at something uh, similar happen to, to Aaron Ramsey it's not not impossible that once he's got that first goal and, and clearly, you know, there's a bit of pressure when you haven't scored for a while, when you've missed a few chances that you should have scored and you know you should have scored, you, you begin to feel a little bit of weight of pressure and even the kind of, I won't say fortunate way that, that the goal went in, uh, his finish wasn't exactly uh, stellar, but it went in and sometimes that's what you need just to, to get things going. Maybe, yeah. And I think what you'd have to say about Ramsey is that even when he hasn't been scoring goals, he's continued to get in good positions. You know, he's somebody who, who never hides out there on mm. the football pitch. And that's always been true of him for years and years. You know, even when things were going pretty badly for him and he was a bit of a subject of ire for the Arsenal fans. So mm. I, I think it's encouraging that he got off the mark in scrappy fashion, I would agree. You know, not, yeah. not necessarily uh, the kind of spectacular goal we're used to seeing from him. But um, hopefully he can continue to do that. I was actually really impressed with Ramsey. I was surprised because on my Twitter feed and in my in the feedback that I had, a lot of fans were frustrated by his performance. They said they felt he like he made a lot of errors, you know, misplaced passes, missed shots, things like that. But mm. I, I was really impressed by the way he played from that right-hand side and managed to get involved in the game. His movement was excellent. Um, he kept dragging the fullback inside to create space for Bellerin on the overlap. Uh, and generally, I thought he was involved in, in most good things that we did. So yeah. if he could... Did, I mean, was that your reading of it? Or? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, people forget... or It's easy to remember the, the things that he didn't do well, like the missed chance, and you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, you, you've got to do better from there. And I think he'd be the first to accept that he should do better there. But I thought he really was involved in most of the good stuff we did, like you said. You know, there yeah. was that great cross for Theo Walcott really early in the game that I thought Walcott should have scored from. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put it right on his head. There was one where he 
banged out a pass way over to the left-hand side. Uh, from the right-hand side of the pitch, he smashed a pass over to Monreal, I think. And then all of a sudden, he's the one getting on the end of it in, in the inside left position to, to have a shot. I don't think the shot was particularly great. But, um, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a lot to be said for a guy that will not hide on a football pitch. You know, he just yeah. won't do it. He'll he'll keep plugging away and he'll keep trying. And I think because he's a guy who tries to make things happen very often, uh, you know, that's reflected in some of his stats. But, you know, at the same time, 52, st- uh, 52 passes out of 60. So an 87% uh, pass completion rate, you know. Um, it's not like he was giving it away all over the place. Where I would say perhaps is that maybe, maybe his desire to get involved just affects the balance a little bit. You know, that he does find himself central at times when we could maybe do with him on the right-hand side. But it's not down to uh, lack of effort or, or lack of hard work because he is an extremely hard-working player. Um, and I thought I thought he was quite good. And it was interesting that Match of the Day did a little bit on him uh, after the after the game to, to highlight the effect uh, that he had on, on the way Arsenal played on the day. So, oh, did they? I didn't see mm, that. Actually. Kevin Kilban. Uh, did a little thing about Ramsey and look look at how good he was and look at look at the way that he impacted uh, Arsenal's attack. So, so there you go. Yeah. There you go, indeed. Second goal then for Olivier Giroud coming off the bench, scoring with his right foot, making it four Premier League goals this season to Theo Walcott's two Premier League goals this season. Um, firstly, what did you make of Walcott? Quieter performance, obviously, than the one against Manchester United. It was, it was. I think that that, um, I think that was sort of a function of the fact that the team didn't really click as as you might expect in that first half. The chances that came to him were ones like that Ramsey header, where sort of that header from that Ramsey cross, which you wouldn't necessarily say his strong point. I think there were two occasions in the first half where he mistimed his run and was called offside mm. when if he'd held back a bit more, he probably would have been in on goal. Um, so that will frustrate him because, you know, th- those are the opportunities on which he thrives. But, uh, you know, it wasn't really his day. He wasn't really in the game, I'd say, in any real sense. So yeah. Olivier Giroud went through quite a, a strenuous warm-up at half-time and it, it wasn't a big surprise to see him come on. I guess um, that is the advantage of having two strikers with very different qualities, that you can change them around mm. and uh, and reap the benefits of it. I mean, Giroud's now got more Premier League goals than he does Premier League starts. Well, there you go. I mean, look, proving himself to be a great option from the bench uh, as a plan B, I guess, but also proving, I think, that he's a better player than a lot of people give him, uh, give him credit for. Walcott, I thought, you know, God, it was really there for him to, to, to build on that Manchester United performance. Right. You know, I was. it was one of those games where some of the doubts that might have been allayed by the performances in recent weeks, which have been really excellent, you just kind of, they're there in the back of your mind that this this uh, solution, such as it is, we're yet to know if it's going to be a properly long-term one. You know, he, had, he made one pass in the second half, mm. Theo Walcott. In the entire game, he made eight passes. Now, I know that it's a different... Uh, it's a different kind of game, and he's he's not as involved in certain games. But I think, you know, after what he did against Manchester United, and after the way that he dropped deep, and after the way that he linked up play, and he was strong against uh, centre-halves at Manchester United and against Leicester, you know, it was one of those games that passed him by. And I, you know, that's why I still remain a little bit cautious about him as the long-term solution uh, as our central striker. 
I think that's reasonable. I think you'd have to say that, you know, the same levels of energy and work rate that were present against United weren't weren't obviously evident in what he did mm. at Watford. And I guess that's the frustration that even though it's understandable sometimes that he won't be involved in the game or, you know, he won't necessarily get, get the service he craves, but he should still be able to do that closing down, that hard work, that chasing back. And that wasn't wasn't clearly there. So mm. it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, Giroud, you know, he did he did everything that the manager would ask. He came on, he offered a focal point, he scored a goal. Um, he'll probably feel that he's he's given the chance of, of starting in the next couple of games. So be interesting to see how that one plays yeah. out. Yeah, we might touch on the Bayern game then in the in the questions because in the old I'm questions. sure I'm yeah. sure there'll be stuff in the questions. Anything else that sticks out from the weekend for you? Um, from Arsenal or aside from Arsenal? Anything, or? anything you like. Your walk in the country, whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm enjoying the, the, the sheer speed of Tim Sherwood's downfall, as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, I'd describe it as a plummet, really. If you think from back in the last season, he sort of, you know, saved Aston Villa from relegation and reached an FA Cup final. It's been quite the, the dramatic turnaround mm. since then. Where are they at the moment? I... Second from bottom, I believe. Right. Four points, four points off Bournemouth and safety. Right. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see how how that one goes. I'm not sure how much longer they'll give him, to be honest. Simply because, and I mean, you know, as much as I don't like the guy and don't think he's any great shakes, that the problem is for an inexperienced manager, it's just too big a risk, isn't it? You know, yeah, probably kicking themselves that they've let Allardyce go somewhere else. Uh, maybe, you know. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, I mean, his win ratio now is going to be seriously affected by what's going on. Well, that's the real concern, obviously, for Tim, you know. Yeah. His his win ratio is always what he's got on aisle. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that. I enjoyed that. And I suppose on the Arsenal front, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I say it every week, but I just thought Hector Bellerin was absolutely brilliant again. I think he's now created more goal-scoring chances than pretty much any Arsenal player. Is that true? Uh, I saw somebody I saw somebody put that in the questions, but I, I'm doubting. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there was Sky did a graphic on it where they compared him to a number of other Premier League players, but like I think it's they, they measure it as clear-cut chances. Now I don't know how you how you arrive at that, you know. Right. Uh, but he because he's clearly not doing, you know. He's, he's not creating, got more assists or more chances than an Ozil or a Cazorla. But uh, let me see if I can dig out this sky graphic. Hang on. Okay. Uh, you, you, you talk about why his hair's nice or something while I do that. All right. Well, I mean, it's it's clearly, it's uh, it's got volume. It's got body. Mm. It has that rock solidness that you need that I think can only have come from a number of evenings at the Arteta household. Mikel, a leader, somebody who guides the young players in this team, has brought Bellerin over to his house and said, look, this is what you need to do in terms of your hair, because it's all well and good going out there looking fine at the start. But when the 90 minutes is over, when you've run through hell, when you've gone through brick walls, regardless of the weather, when you've fallen on your face, your hair needs to be absolutely perfect. And I think that is is a testament to the leadership qualities of Mikel Arteta. And, um, yeah, so there you go. Great. I mean, I found it ages ago. Oh, right, okay. That. Just let me go. Uh, so, so, yeah, <laughs> so uh, this is uh, from Sky Sports, and they say clear-cut chances created. Again, don't know how they measure that. But they've got 
Meza Erzul, Mares, Barkley, Mane, and Shelby on four. Right. Santi Cazorla and Dimitri Payet on five, and Hector Bellerin top of that particular table with six. That is not so bad at all. That really no, isn't bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. And I thought he was just excellent against what against Watford. Mm. Um, his former club. Of course. Yes, he had a loan spell there, and it didn't really work out, did it? Because I think he was only no. there for... Oh, he was supposed to be there until the end of a season, if I remember correctly, and then we recalled him, and there wasn't any real good reason to recall him, because I think Sanya had, was fit, and we had Jenkinson at the time, maybe. Um, so yeah, he, didn't play, he didn't play a lot of football, basically. He wasn't a regular in the team. Yeah, They played with wing-backs at the time, and he played and left wing-back for them, but... Uh, not with any great regularity so their loss has has ended up being very much our gain and it is a gain he's fucking excellent I love I love watching him he's uh, he's so exciting Um, and long may he last and long may his hair last well it will terrible if that would start receding oh my goodness yeah because that can happen you know all of a sudden in your early 20s you you know can just start going you don't need to tell me mate you don't need to tell me that's very true that is very true. All right. Well, look, I think that'll do it for part one. We'll take a yes. short break. Yeah. Yes. And we'll yes. Co- yes. Yes. <laughs> and we'll come back with uh, some of your questions in part two right after this. All right, welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the section of the show where we take your questions sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog. James, just before we get on with that, people were very... Uh, they, they liked the old uh, synth thing last week. They did, they took to it. Yes, uh, they, there were requests for more synth stuff. I'm not sure if we can do that, but uh, we had an email from a W. Ferrell who wanted to mm. know if we could add some more cowbell to the podcast. Uh. We might be able to, to rustle something up. Yeah, we might. We'll just see if we can... Hang on. There we go. There you go. There's some more cowbell. More cowbell. More cowbell. Just what we need. All right, we're going to do questions, and I'm going to let you go first. What a guy. I am. What a guy. Um, okay, let's start with the big one. This is Magnus Holmberg, at Magnus underscore Holmberg. He says, should anyone be rested for Bayern or should we play our best 11 no matter what? Um, well, okay, that's a good question because if you want to beat Bayern Munich tomorrow night, you've got to play pretty much your best team. Surely. The manager says, we want to make something special against Bayern. And in order to do that, you need guys like Alexis and you need Ozil. You need essentially the team that started against uh, Watford and against Manchester United uh, to really play very, very well indeed. Uh, it's not really as if we have obvious quality replacements for Alexis and Ozil if they don't play, because he, he did talk about resting them. But I can't, I can't believe that's that's going to happen I just you know unless unless there's a real injury problem or a worry that they could damage themselves further then you've got to play them I think and have a go right I think you've got to have a go and if after an hour the go didn't work then you'd say well fuck it we'll uh, we'll take them off and and just prioritize for the weekend uh, against Everton but so one our outlook on the game is this a game that we actually want to win? 
I think we've got to go into it as if we're we're going to try and win it, right? Because even if we don't qualify from the Champions League group, uh, the, there are benefits to be had from beating Bayern Munich if you can do that. Yeah. Um, and two, I don't know what two is because I've forgotten what one was. Well, we've seen in the past, you know, we beat Bayern Munich, uh, was it March 2013? We went out, but nevertheless, that result proved to be a massive turning point with us and uh, was a huge boost. Yeah. I think. I think we're at a stage of the season when we can afford to to go all out to win this game, almost irrespective of our ultimate fate in Europe. Yeah, and I, I can't see. I saw those quotes about Arsenal saying he could rest Alexis or could rest Sturz, or, but I wonder if that was put to him as a question, saying, you know, do you worry you need to to rest Alexis or Urzel? And he said, well, maybe, but you know. I, we've got Bayern. Like I can't imagine that's something that he just pulled out of were, nowhere. Were you because, in that press conference? No, I think that was the daily um, part of, which is sort of the informal conversation that takes place after mm. the, the actual initial presser. So I, but that's how I imagine that went down. I mean, I'm, it's guesswork, but I, I can't. You know, it, it's not logical, is it, to rest your your two best players for a game where you say you want to make something special, unless you want to make, you know, a special celebration of the life of Joel Campbell I, I don't know mm. um, so I think they'll both start yeah yeah. and I think the other interesting one of course is the goalkeeper um, you know there was no David Espina on the bench at Watford and uh, according to uh, Jeremy Wilson of the Telegraph uh, there will be no David Espina for the Bayern Munich game what has so, he done what's happened I don't know. They've just locked him away. I think they've sort of they put a bag on his head and taken him for a walk in the country, uh, and just left him. Good lord! Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know what he's done. But uh, mm. Matt Macy was on the bench, wasn't he, at the weekend? He's gigantic, gigantic. Matt Macy. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a, he's a, a large lad. But um, so we, sh- I think that means no Espina, which I think is probably the right call, regardless, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd have to play check anyway. I think. Against Bayern Munich, you know, you can't leave a goalkeeper like Czech on the bench. It's not like he's tired, you know. So then I think the only question really... Well, no, there's still two two areas. One is up front. We talked about Walcott. Okay, yeah, we can come to that. What's the other area? The other one I was going to say is Gabriel. You know, he's returns from fitness. Do you think there's any case that he might come into the side? Perhaps. I mean, I guess it depends what way the manager views the the attacking threat of... Bayern Munich. Obviously, Lewandowski is in shit-hot form. Um, and it, it would depend on who he feels is better at dealing with that threat between yeah. him and Mertesacker, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose the, the other consideration is if, if you if you start Walcott, then Mertesacker maybe offers you a bit more height. And if mm. you know, Bayern do have a set-piece threat, so that could be a factor too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, Lewandowski's not a guy who's, like, super pacey, you know? So no. that that's not his threat. Obviously, his movement and uh, his his ability to get in dangerous positions is where he's really strong. So maybe, maybe a Mertesacker um, would be better off in that sense uh, because he, his reading of the game and his positioning and his organizational skills uh, might be a little bit ahead of, of Gabriel at this moment in time. Yeah, that would be my hunch, was that mm. it would be that he'd go for Mertesacker. Yeah. All right, well, look, this is a, a couple that are tied in a little bit together. So uh, this one comes from Steady 
I underscore am steady. And he says, considering that three of Giroud's four goals have come from off the bench, does that confirm his role as super sub? While uh, Peter Ferguson, at Peter Ferguson 5, wants to know, is it a stroke of genius from Arsene Wenger to take Giroud out of the firing line for a few games? Who starts on Tuesday? He says, Theo for me. Theo for him. Um, I think Theo for me as well, just because although it didn't work particularly well in that first hour against Watford, there have been so many encouraging signs. And I think he, you know, we've seen Giroud play against Bayern Munich before. Mm. And, and, I, and I I might be wrong, but I don't remember it particularly well. Apart from, uh, you know, the goal that he scored in Munich after two minutes uh, oh, yes. away from home, which uh, set us on Very the way true. to that win. So apart from that, like he's got no pedigree whatsoever against Bayern Munich. <laughs> So well, carry on. Thing. Oh, I can't now, can I? <laughs> How can I possibly? But like, no, that's true. That was the two 0 right? Because Shani scored the other one, mm. I think. But um, so yeah, well, that's thrown me. That's thrown me. I mean, the the, the reason I was going to say Walcott is just because I think the threat he poses is so unique. Uh, you know that that speed is such a a powerful and particular weapon that I feel like it could undo a side like Bayern who might not be accustomed to coming up against that sort of striker all too often um, but Giroud you know uh, Giroud is an alternative I mean I think I would stick with Walcott just based on the the form of the last few games I think I'd have to look at the Watford one as sort of you know a downturn in performances but probably not enough for me to change it mm. um, but Giroud, you know, he did as I say, I said in the first part, he did everything that you would want coming on against Watford. He, you know, he held the ball up and he, he scored his goal. So I think he'd have a right to feel uh, a little aggrieved to be left out. But it just seems that Wenger prefers Theo at present. Yeah. What's what's your not not so much what Arsene thinks. What what do you think? I think probably if you want to replicate the performance of Manchester United, you need to use Walcott. Yeah, that's the um, thing. And it feels like if we are going to get a result in this game, we're going to have to do something like that. We're going to have to start really strongly, uh, put them on the back foot if we can, because they will kill you with possession like a Guardiola team does, uh, you know, bore you into submission, basically, uh, by just keeping the ball. So I think we need to put them on the back foot, and the best way of doing that is by having that pace because when we when they do have the ball, and if we can get it back off them and break quickly, then we can use the space in behind. And Walcott is obviously a, a better option at doing that. So I think that's probably what he'll do. I can't believe, unless there's some serious medical uh, reason not to use Alexis or Ozil, I can't believe that he won't select the both of them either. I'd, I'd be surprised if we saw any changes at all uh, to the team that, that beat Watford, other than for perhaps fatigue or a player close to that red zone. And again, that's information that we don't always have. So what often looks like a selection choice is one that's perhaps been forced uh, on the manager to a certain extent. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think if, look, we give it a bash with Walcott up front, see how it goes. And then if it doesn't work, at least you've got a guy coming off the bench who's got actually a bit of a track record now in scoring goals from the bench who, who will feel confident, A, or A, confident that he can come on and score a goal and B, that he's still got a point to prove because after scoring from the bench, uh, he's he's not being given a start. So he's going to have to keep going and, and keep working to, to try and get his place back. So yeah, for me, Walcott starts and then we play it by ear and, and see how it's going and, and make the changes. It's interesting because he, you know, 
he kind of has been an automatic choice for the best part of two years, really, uh, Olivier Giroud. So, as we said before, this is a, a new challenge for him. And if it, if it lights a fire under him and motivates him, then mm. maybe that is a bit of a masterstroke. He certainly seems to be doing a good job as a kind of super sub at present. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we have another question? Yes, please. Okay, this one, a bit of a left-field turn here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Alexander Palo at Alexander Palo, and he asks... Yaya Sanogo, what is happening with him over at Ajax? Uh, good question. I don't know. He doesn't seem to be involved at all, does he? I, I have a vague idea, and, and I don't know if you saw, there was a story in the last couple of days in the Dutch media that he may be sent back. Oh, really? Um, yeah. He's played 47 minutes of first-team football uh, so far mm. uh, for, for the Ajax senior team. He's been involved with their... Their youth team as well, young Ajax, their sort of you know B team as it were. Yeah. Um, there was that strange story about was it Ronald De Boer saying very critical of him. Yeah. Uh, he said he had no quality, something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's he's really not made any impact at all out there. So the talk is now that Ajax are looking to sign a new striker and may look to see if they can you know return him in January. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird situation. Shame, really. Yeah, because yeah. it looked like a good opportunity, didn't it, for him to uh, to be involved with a team that obviously would play decent football. We know all about the way Ajax are set up. He's got Dennis Bergkamp there uh, as part of the uh, part of the coaching staff, but clearly if you're not getting even on the bench regularly and he's not his last appearance was on the 12th of September. And he got 12 minutes at the end of a game that Ajax drew uh, 2-2 with FC Twente. So, yeah, I don't know. Can we draw any conclusion from it? I mean, how how does it work then? You know, uh, if they don't perceive him to have any of the requisite quality to to play for them on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. what, 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 What do we draw from that? I don't know. I don't understand. Because obviously Arsene Wenger saw something in him. That. Well, the France international setup, you know, he's been involved at every level, I think, from under 16 to under 21. Mm. So, you know, I, it's simply not the case that there's. Is there there's a fitness there. problem? Well, there was some talking, I think, in the Dutch press about attitude, maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, fitness obviously has been a huge issue for him. Um, but uh, over, the, over the last few years, but he seems to be. He seems to be relatively fit this season. He just is, is not involved. Mm. It is disappointing because, I mean, everyone scores goals in Holland, right? I thought he was going to score about 50 <laughs> this year. That's how it works. That's Rio true. Rio Miachi was good in Holland. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're struggling. Yeah, you're struggling. And, and um, yeah, I mean, he's 22 now. I think, you know, it's clear Arsene really believes in him. But uh, it seems a long time ago, certainly, that he was picked to start a game against Bayern Munich. Yeah. Yeah, that that was fucking <laughs> bananas when you think about yeah. it. Um, but I mean, I don't think that was as I don't think that was entirely uh, down to Arsene Wenger saying, "Well, he is the right man to start for us." It came off the back of some. Um, I think some, it was more to do with with Giroud's, yeah, 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 uh, some of his an- antics and shenanigans. Exactly. So, so there you go. Okay, well, there, there's a good question, uh, and the answer is, yeah, we, we don't really know. So. We don't really know. Maybe he'll be back in January, though, so keep your eyes peeled. Yes. Okay, this is one from Sandeep. Um, and he wants to know, uh, if I can just find this here, 
It seems to be gone now. Okay. <laughs> a magic on. question. Yeah, a magic question. Okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, Alan Pardew complained that Coquelin should have been sent off for us uh, for uh, multiple fouls, uh, bookable offences. But then this weekend, he said the ref should have been more lenient uh, to Gale, who was sent off. He says, does this make Pardew a hypocritical tool? I think it's only the, the latest in a, a long line of things that, that probably make that the case. Um, I, the, I think I've always felt the greatest hypocritical thing about Pardew was he was always banging the drum for, you know, English teams, <laughs> I, wasn't I it? thought you were going to say banging something else entirely there. Ah, uh, well, no, I wouldn't dare. On a recorded show. <laughs> uh, yeah, we better not. Uh, but uh, yeah, banging the drum, drum um, for you know he went up against Arsene Wenger, didn't he? Claiming that you know he, he was so proud of his his English eleven or whatever it was yeah. at West Ham, and then he went to Newcastle and imported a, an entire team from France and is continuing down a sort of not too dissimilar path at, at Crystal Palace. So that always massively irritated me about Pardew. I think that. He's obviously a bit of a risible character. I actually think that he's actually quite a good manager. Um, to my, I know, to my such chagrin to admit that. But mm. uh, yeah, he's a dickhead, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think it, you know, it comes back to that issue. Uh, obviously, managers w- when they're dealing with incidents, they're going to be on the side that they want to be on. Um, That's true as well. You know, so it, it suited Pardew to make that point about Coquelin being sent off or or his supposed uh, second yellow card. And obviously it suits him not to have his own player uh, sent off because all he's doing is just trying to get in the mind of a referee ahead of the next game. And, uh, you know, managers will forgive their own players uh, things that they certainly wouldn't forgive an opposition player for. So All sorts of things. Yes. All sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our own manager's been guilty of that in the past I think that that's it's just the nature of the game isn't it people are always trying to influence and control as yeah. much as they can yeah for sure alright have you got one uh, probably alright Pro- probably do let's have a look uh, bu- 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 okay yeah. you've got one yeah I've got one okay. um, I'm not sure we necessarily would take this entirely seriously because hang on Aditya Fakri Yaya what who's yeah okay his, name, his Twitter handle is at Aditya Fakri. Says, what should be enough to stop Lewandowski? Mertzaka, Koscielny, Gabriel, tortoise curse, or else? Or what else what? What have we got up our sleeve? What have we got up our sleeve, Andrew, that could, that could stop this man? He's, un, he's ready. I mean, he makes Alexis' form look pitiful, to yeah. be honest. He's, he's quite good at the moment. Um, yes. Tortoise curse, I don't think is going to work. No? No. I've got no faith in creatures that move that slowly being able to provide the sort of witchcraft that's needed to stop the modern day footballer. I think if you Fair were point. Yeah. I think if you were gonna choose an animal, it would be it would need to be one that moves very quickly, like a, a cheetah or perhaps a, a shark or like a, a, a swallow. Because they can they can move very quickly and, and that kind of thing. So if a you could if you could good. harness their animal magnetism to make the curse fine but a tortoise curse no Mertesacker and Koscielny I think that's a good chance yeah um, but perhaps the best way of stopping him is being fully switched on defensively and stopping the ball getting to him in the first place you know I know it's a are fairly sure? prosaic are answer sure? are you sure that's better than tortoise curse <sighs> it's, it's hard to know yeah 
the Peruvians tried the tortoise curse, didn't they, on Alexis? And, and it just didn't work. No, it just didn't work. It did not them. work. So uh, I think we'd be fools to try and, and do that because I, I suspect people from Peru are much more au fait with, uh, with tortoise curses than, than Arsene Wenger is. And certainly Steve Bold, who holds no truck with that kind of behavior at all. So um, I, I think A, Mertesacker and Cassiani as a partnership um, will we'll do well, hopefully against him, but also uh, let's let's stop the ball getting to him in the first place so that means uh, the midfield Coquelin Ramsey uh, Cazorla Ozil Alexis even being really really switched on and stopping them getting into into dangerous uh, into dangerous positions that is interesting I'm going to go with the tortoise curse fair enough and basically any kind of voodoo I'm going to be trying to get into voodoo in quite a big way in the next few days. Are you uh, are you working the game? Yep. So you could make a little uh, can make a little voodoo doll. S- sit there sticking pins in it in the press box. I know you're not supposed to stand up and cheer, but there's nothing to be said. Uh, there's no rule against using voodoo from a press box position, is there? Uh, I'm not sure. I will contact the press office about it, but I've certainly, you know, I've I've never heard that rule, mm. so. You'd think they would have put a sign up or something if it was a thing. For sure. No voodoo. No sticking pins in the groins of opposition players. No, they, they haven't mentioned... It hasn't come up, right. so I imagine it's fine. All right. Uh, this one comes from at Fit Dog, but he's got two T's and two G's. So he's a bit like a bit like Jamie Foxx there, who annoys yeah. me with the extra X in his name. You don't need the X, Jamie. Everyone, Nate, everyone Nate knows. Nate Dog. Nate. Nate Dog had two Gs. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe there was another Nate Dog. Maybe there was another Nate Dog. Yeah, maybe. Probably. Or, or maybe like, Nate oh. Dog preferred to be called Nate Dog like that. And nobody maybe. knew. Maybe. It was like a Ganabri situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ganesha from the Bino. Yeah. But anyway, fit to dog dog dog. Uh, he wants to know who do you think can kick the ball furthest on the team? I'm excited already. Yeah. Oh, right. Out of anyone? Out of anyone, yeah. Interesting. This calls in mind that uh, old video of Arsenal doing the crossbar challenge. Mm. Do you remember this? When Armand Traore stepped up and uh, Arsene Wenger sort of chipped in from the sidelines. He said, Armand Traore, I will kill the ball uh, because Traore is famed for his his powerful kicking. Really? Uh, Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember what he did with the ball in that crossbar challenge. What he probably kicked it wide. I think did he? he kicked it. I, I mean, it wasn't very good. That was the main issue with Armand Traore. He wasn't very good, but he was known for having this. Uh, he had a martial arts background, I think, and he had an incredibly powerful left foot. Um, right. But there you go. Just a bit of trivia for everyone. Fantastic. I think who can kick the ball furthest? I mean, goalkeepers should be good, right? Because they are trained in that, right? Mm-hmm. They're accustomed to it. So Petr Cech, I mean, Espina's not the best, actually, for distance, but Petr Cech certainly would uh, would be a contender. Yeah. Um, just trying to think beyond that. I mean, in terms of sheer power. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think Alexis could give it a good whack, yeah. but I think you're right. You know, the goalkeeper, you know, that's what they do. They... L- can lump it down the field, uh, and Czech I think is a, is a good kicker. Ospina too much too much height in his kicks for me. Is that the issue? I think oh, so. Yeah, yeah. He's got his angles wrong. wrong. Yeah, ex- exactly. He needs to work on his trajectory. Uh, I mean, I think if Alexis was 
had a good goal kick, he'd probably be taking them. I imagine he'd insist. <laughs> That's one of the um, best things ever, isn't it? Centre-half taking the goal kicks. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Also because uh, it creates a really tricky situation. Because presumably if they, if they screw it up, everyone's on side. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually I quite just... tiring. I used to have to do it a bit for uh, the Astro team I played for. If our goalkeeper had a uh, an injury or, or what have right. you, um, you, you'd have to like run and give it a good lash. And then obviously you're running out again to, to make yeah, sure yeah, you're yeah. in position. It's quite tiring. And if the ball comes back towards you as, like, as you're running out, oh, it's no. like, oh, Jesus, it goes over your head or no. whatever. It's yeah. a nightmare, yeah. No, I, I think... I mean, Technically, you'd imagine Czech would have to be the best. I mean, back in the day, Podolski, I reckon, would have given it a good go. You know, he'd get some distance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Ramsey. Ramsey, yeah. I think, would be up there. Who would kick uh, it the not furthest? Great question. Like, uh, who just would get the least distance? Like, mm. I always felt like Jovino would never have got it very far, you know. <laughs> he, he could never get a clean contact on a ball. He was the uh, worst person at kicking a football that I've ever seen. Like, yeah. it was every time. I was like, what is this thing at my feet? No, I know. The kicking it was like the one part of the game he'd never worked on. Do you know what I mean? He was like, I can dribble, I've got movement, blah, blah, blah. But I, I have to kick it as well. Uh, I think he would have preferred to just dribble into the net. Yeah. Um, I'm looking down the squad list now. I think... Oof. From the current squad. The least far. Mm. I don't know. For some reason... I mean, the current squad's quite good. We used to have a few players who were quite scuffy. You know, like Sonogo's another one who you wouldn't back. Uh, Song. Song, yeah, yeah. But looking at the current squad, I think there's a lot of people with fairly decent technique to smash yeah. a football. I mean, for some reason I'm suspicious of Kieran Gibbs. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, I wouldn't put a lot of money on Gibbs either. Or, or I have to say, Callum Chambers. Yeah. I, I feel like he would caress the ball a bit too much. Too soft. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Theo Walcott as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He, he likes the side foot, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. Rather than the laces. Rather than the laces, isn't yeah. it? Um yeah, I don't know. Cockler? I think Cockerland's got a good clump on him. He can yeah. he, he likes to pass it side to side and stuff, so you know. Okay. Okay. All right, I'll give you that one then. Yeah. Um I mean the only way to do this is to line all the Arsenal players up and just get them to kick the ball as far as possible. Yes, I I for one would find that very entertaining, if anyone from dot com is listening. Yes. Please do that. Make it a feature. Who can kick the ball the furthest? The Arsenal kicking the ball furthest challenge. You can make a whole series of it on Arsenal player. I guarantee you one retweet. Yeah. If you make that happen. Yeah. Uh, have you got another one? I haven't actually. I'm all right. out. Right. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I do. But first, it ties in with this one. This one comes from David Unan at David underscore Union, and he wants to know do you think if Arsene grew a beard we'd have an even better chance at the league title treble even but hey before you get on to that did you see the picture of Stan Kroenke at the game did you see the TV coverage no. of Stan Kroenke no you didn't see oh. his you didn't see his moustache has it got out of control it's it's like um I must have a picture of it here somewhere. Maybe I can. Maybe I can find it. 
I mean, uh, you're going to have to describe it regardless because we're, we're well, strictly it's, in audio format here. It's like <laughs> an albino caterpillar. Oh my god, I can see lip. it. Have oh, g- good god, I can see it. Have you got it? Yes. Oh my, it's it's like what? Why is it white and his hair is grey? What's going on? It's, yeah, firstly, the hairdresser needs like a, a serious talking to there. Serious. Well, I think it, I think Stan, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think Stan wears a wig, does he not? I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you were going to wear a wig, and you were a billionaire, you'd make yeah. you get a better wig than that, right? That's you get true. like Look a mohawk, or yeah, or yeah, you yeah. could have long flowing hair like Fabio, or you could have I don't know. You could have whatever hair you wanted. You could have different. Oh my oh. goodness! What's that? It's the door. Don't worry. There's someone else in there. Okay. I'll sort it out. Right. I'm, I mean, look. I'm looking at a picture now, um, and I'm telling you now. St- there is no oh, one there. I have to go and see with this. Okay, Pause hang on. Play synth or something. Yes. Hang- okay. Here we go. He's gone. I better play synth here. pretty much all I know how to do, unfortunately. I hope he comes back quickly because uh, I'm at the end of my synth range here. And go up a key, I guess. It's not happening, is it? Hello? Hello. Oh, you're back. That's I'm good. Back. I just wowed the world with some amazing synth solo. I mean, I, I can absolutely believe it. Now, listen, this is rubbish for everyone else on the podcast but i've just emailed you something right it's a picture of stan Cronky. look at that and tell me that that man's hair is real i i refuse to believe it now that looks like that looks wiggish yeah come on surely or sure now, but it's dyed but now it's gray wouldn't he just have I, I don't understand but the mustache the mustache there is gray let's face it the, the mustache is gray yeah the moustache used to be great, but it, based on what I'm seeing from Watford, it's it's gone fully white. Yeah, but not kind of, not white, kind of almost like a yellow. It looks like he's been like, yeah, it's creamy. A creamy moustache. Stan Kroenke's creamy moustache. It's 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 just not on. I don't think it's acceptable for the owner of Arsenal Football Club to have a creamy moustache. Hulk Hogan used to have a creamy moustache, didn't he? He did, and it looked like it would be. Quite, quite oily in texture. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 that sort of shade. If anyone's anyone's wondering. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll put a link to it somewhere. I, you know, the world needs to see this. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah, I think I can actually add some rich content to the podcast if you're uh, listening to it via Acast. I can add a picture of it. I'll, I'll try and do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Oh, I don't know. Someone needs I to have know. a word. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's my major issue with his ownership of the club. Do you know what you know what they should do? They should tie the whole thing in together. The kicking the ball longest competition, and whoever wins that is allowed yes. shave off Stan Kroenke's creamy moustache. 
What a prize. Mm. What a prize. It really is. Forget the Champions League. Yeah. That's what we're really playing for this season. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Okay, so look, uh, just very quickly then, uh, back to David's question. Would we stand Uh, a better chance of winning the league if Arsene Wenger grew a beard? uh, Yes. Right. I disagree. There's no evidence that he can. There's no evidence that he can. No, he's always been perfectly clean shaven throughout. I've never seen him with a hint of stubble. It's weird, isn't it? Like everybody's Imagine got their it. days where they have a bit of bit of stubble, but Arson must just get up every morning, have a shave. I, yeah. I, I can imagine him with a beard, a little Jeremy Corbyn beard or something. I can imagine <laughs> it. I can see it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't I just don't think it would suit him at all. I think it would take away from our chances of winning the league because people would be they would be focused on his beard like they focus on his zip. Of his coat. That's true. Of his coat. That's true. Yeah. Imagine him scratching his beard as well as struggling with his zip. Maybe too much to bear. Maybe Arson's beard would be creamy as well. He doesn't want to look like Stan Kroenke. He's aware that creamy facial hair is not the way, not just not the way to be. That's true because Arson's hair is quite creamy. Mm. I think anyway, we stop now. Let's go now. Let's go and uh, let's uh, keep fingers crossed for tomorrow night against Bayern Munich. We'll review that and look ahead to Everton on the Arsecast this Friday. And James and I will be back next Monday with another. <laughs> Arsecast Extra with as much cowbell as, as you might like. As much cowbell as you can shake a cowbell at. Until the next one, folks, take it easy. Bye-bye. Feel the reaper, nor do the wind, the sun, or the rain.